Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Keith Johnston. You're a co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Principal Analyst Ted Shadler and Vice President and Research Director Matt Garini to discuss the value of co-innovation. Welcome both. Thank you. Thank you very much. So let's start by level setting. What exactly is co-innovation and is this a new concept or is this uh what is old is new again you know john i think it's it's a great to start with like a level set here because uh we've all heard this word innovation a million times and co-innovation probably uh half that many so you know what are we actually what are we talking about here so you know kind of in the in the realm that we're living in uh at the moment where um companies are rapidly adapting to the realities of what customers need and new engagement models, new business models. And they're looking for faster and better and easier ways to get uh, to move quickly and get that done. So they're turning to the cloud. And the cloud uh, changes the complete dynamics of technology and also services, how you put the parts together. And it drives a lot more connectedness, a lot more sort of cohesion or, or, or relationship codependency. <laughs> You know, if that cloud thing goes down, you're toast. Uh, if the software starts getting better, you're running out of, uh, you know, what you need next. Uh, so uh, the cloud kind of changes the whole dynamic for what you're looking for in a technology provider or a service provider. And we just call that stronger alignment co-innovation because you want both everybody to be innovating on your behalf so you can get the best done the fastest and you want them to do as much as they possibly can. Tell me more, Ted. The the cloud sounds like a conduit to co-innovation. Innovation is just a tricky word, uh, as you you stated. Uh, what's fundamentally different about this? It's not just outsourcing, is it? No, no, no. I mean, outsourcing would be like, uh, I need this, but I'm not very good at it. Somebody else can do it better. And so I'm going to outsource that whole thing to you. I'm going to outsource payroll or, or something like that. No, I, and that innovation word, like you say, Keith, is... Um, it's kind of overloaded, I guess. Uh, uh, but when you think about what you're trying to get done as a, as, a, as a firm, right, as a technology executive, as a marketing executive, you're trying to, um, you know, move quickly in the right direction. So you want to be able to create a strategy. This is actually where services uh, agencies and consultancies come in a lot that aligns with what you can actually execute against. That is the implementation of it, your tech, your data, your uh, org, your people, your processes. And so that innovation word in this case is not so much the what to do, it's the doing it effectively, doing it at scale, doing it quickly. And so you're looking for partners to bring new ideas, sure, but you're also looking for partners to help you get it done in ways that you want to get it done. Mm. So, uh, Matt, from a CIO perspective, you know, what's this, what's this look like? It, it sounds like a lot of platforms and a lot of partners. Um, you know, what's that look like from the CIO's perspective? Yeah, you know, the, the way that we look at this is what we call future fit technology, Keith. Um, you know, so we, we really focus on adaptive, creative and resilient capabilities that you build so that you become more customer obsessed. But to get there, it's really to build those capabilities from the partner dimension. You can't do everything yourself. And this is where it's so much broader than outsourcing. We look at today's tech execs, CIOs and CTOs, and they need to deliver business outcomes. More and more, that's what they're getting measured on. And so how do they do that when you're limited by how much tech talent and how much capability and how much money you have to spend within your organization? So it's that ability in that partner dimension 
to extend your capabilities, to be able to reach out and develop new networks of capabilities to deliver value that helps you deliver more future fit and ultimately greater outcomes towards your customer. So that's how we look at it from the CIO perspective. Hmm. So uh, that sounds like a lot of coordination to me. Um, how does this all work? More and more of what we see every day in tech is complexity. And so as you deal with more and more complexity like that, the real challenge that you have is how do you do it in such a way to boil it down to its essence and, and honestly simplify. And so the way we see coordination happening through this is what we what we call practices. And practices is a key part of the whole future fit concept. Practices is starting to get outside of these unwieldy processes you have, things where you can really build capabilities across functions with common purposes. And so as you're thinking about how you work with partners, it's really, it's about those outcomes and how you get the right people working on the right things. And then you bring in lean forms of governance to not control the process, but to manage it and use it to drive. So we're really trying to get people to focus on that practices side of things. But let me turn it to Ted, because I know he's got some views on this one too. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I think that's a great way to, to, to express it. I mean, you're, you're not doing it, a partner's doing it, but what are they doing? So you want to start everybody off in the right direction at the same time. So create that, our, what are our goals? What's our time frame? What's our budget? What can we put into it? What do we want you to put into it? And so that uh, creates alignment. Very important to have alignment here. But now how do you manage toward those outcomes? Well, it's not a set and forget. It's not an outsource relationship. It's a commitment. There are commitments you will make as an executive to be part of that quarterly road mapping and planning cycle. You will be present when there's a blocker or barrier to getting something done. As an executive, you will bring your peers and colleagues together to overcome challenges. Also, you're gonna expect your technology provider, whether it's cloud or SaaS or data or some process, or your service provider, like an agency or consultancy or, or tech implementer, to be on that journey with you, driving toward those outcomes, knowing what their contribution is, willing to take more risk and maybe get some reward for that. Maybe you pay a little uh, of, a, of an upside toward achieving that outcome, but that doesn't happen without the coordination that Matt talked about. And so you're kind of shifting your responsibilities and your, your focus and your time away from sort of doing and managing the doing to coordinating and managing the ecosystem, the internal ecosystem and your partner ecosystem. So there is a new set of skills, a new set of practices, as Matt said, that you have to really scale in order to do this effectively across many different projects. And so there's some new habits that, uh, that you're gonna have to learn. We're gonna explore this pretty deeply, actually, at the Technology and Innovation um, Forum that we got coming up in, um, uh, the October, November timeframe. So we're going to be drilling deeply into the specifics here to uh, give you some case studies, some best practices, and some ways of thinking about this coordination uh, practice you're going to have to be uh, investing in. How do you address differentiation in this model, right? If you and yeah. your competitors are using the same partners, yeah. is there a concern there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's absolutely a concern. So when you're using a like commodity part, everybody's using whatever, some technology part that, that looks the same, uh, you might do something that customers love. So you're customer obsessed, but does it represent your brand, your value as a firm? 
And the answer is, well, not unless you uh, create that linkage. In other words, not unless you bring your, what you care about, your unique differentiated product brand value to life through the tech. So it's not just about the tech. It is about the way you put the parts together. It's about how you um, enable and, and empower your practitioners, your employees to operate this thing. It's about uh, measuring when the effect is high and actually rewarding the team for, for achieving that. And so um, this is not at all about, um, you know, about uh, like, let's just run a generic experience. This is very much about looking for ideas and ways of executing that are in fact going to differentiate you, that are going to bring that special sauce. And I, I would add something to that. Um, we, we talked about the definition up front and we said co-innovation. You know, this is working with your partners. Again, it's not just that outsourcing where I'm going to turn it all over to the partners and say, hey, you guys go do it and give me a solution. If I do that, I am going to get the same thing that they're going to do, go do with other clients down the, down the line. But me being able to bring in the data that I turn into insights that are particular to my business, my ability to know my customers better, my ability to have employees with certain capabilities for me to be able to build creativity in my employees to then you know, get this force multiplier by working with the partners who then bring in their access to data and insights, their capabilities, their technology. That's where that co-innovation side of things becomes so important and gives us that kind of exponential growth that we're looking for by creating new opportunities. Yeah, this this idea of co-innovation though looks at it's it's heavily reliant on shared accountability. Uh, even within your own networks, there's there's some competitiveness. How do you incentivize your partners to co-innovate to share the accountability? Yeah, well, a, a, across the network, I think you've got to be thoughtful about it. Let's just take a specific example. So if we are standing up a new um, social commerce experience, just kind of uh, take that as an example, I've got a lot of supporting capabilities, whether it's content or transactions or payments or whatnot. There's a lot of tech that goes into that. I also have strong execution that's part of it. Like, how do I create ideas that go viral? How do I, do I use this for um, a flash sale or am I using this for a product launch as an example? So, okay, if I'm thinking about the co-innovation side of that, creating that alignment, I'm going to set it up so that everybody knows what their contribution is. And if I'm using an agency, they're going to be measured and compensated on the success of that campaign or that product launch or that, uh, that engagement. And so that is a, a structured contractual, if it has to be, but certainly um, collaborative cultural commitment that you're going to ask that partner to make. And guess what? If they're not making it, then they're not a co-innovation partner. In fact, we've set this up with five factors to think about. Do you trust them? Is there transparency in the work processes and in the results and the progress you're making against the roadmap, against the outcomes? Is there um, strong reliability? Do they do what they say they're going to do and do it credibly? Um, how is your own customer experience? Are they putting you at the center of the success here? And then lastly, what do they bring into the party? Yeah, of course, they're bringing people and expertise, but are they bringing solutions? Are they bringing alliance partners, which ties into the, the alignment across the ecosystem? Are they bringing um, their own assets, their own data models, for example? And so you're looking for them to bring a lot of their own innovation, their investments 
not on your dime, but on their own dime to orchestrate the value that's sitting out there in your organization and in the ecosystem to get this done. So you got to create incentives to do that. It's not just co-governance and paying attention. It's about co-commitment, co-creation, and having a commercial model that rewards those behaviors. It's not for everybody. Not every partner is going to fit into this category. But the ones that do, they are strategic to you. They are your strategic partners. And they're the ones you want to invest in because they're going to make you successful. And, and Ted, I think it's true that we see that partners are actively looking to play this role as well, right? Because they're willing to take on some of the risk, make the investment, because they recognize that if they do it well, there's the opportunity for them to create deeper relationships and get greater returns. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this doesn't um, happen in the first engagement, maybe, that somebody has with you if you're an agency or consultancy or, or tech service provider. But that's not the game for these guys. The game for these guys is your commitment over the long haul to have a deeper and deeper relationship with you. That's what they want. So to do that, they got to, they have to invest. They have to invest not just in the relationship, but in the capacity and the capability to make you successful with your differentiated value prop. They have to know you. They have to want to be part of your success. And if they're not, like I said, you got to manage them out. You got to look elsewhere and you got to structure your commitment to them and their commitment to you commercially so that you get this over the long haul. We're talking a lot about the commitment from the partners, but this sounds like it puts a lot of demands on the leadership. You have to be a strong leader as a client to orchestrate something like this. Look, I think, I think that's the reality. You got 100,000 moving parts in the cloud. Somebody's got to pull those parts together. You can pay a value orchestrator like a whatever, want a, a service provider partner to do that. But that's not a set and forget. You have to be involved in it. You have to be engaged in it. So managing the complexity, as Matt said, in this ecosystem-driven world is a competency. It is a practice. And you're going to have to shift some of your time and some of your resources to doing that. Who's the you in that statement, though? Like, is that the CIO, CTO? Is that a net new role? Because it's this net new skills? Is it a team of people? A lot of times you're going to see that, Jen, on the on the tech exec side, and re, I'll use that kind of ne- ambiguous term, but yeah. it depends on how the organization is shaped, right? You know, we're seeing more and more kind of fragmentation of the CIO role. You know, people are creating a lot of CTOs that'll go and, you know, they might be doing a lot of app dev work, you know, software engineering. Some of them are doing just real emerging tech, but we also are seeing, you know, you see your CISO break off, you're starting to see analytics and data. So, you know, when this comes down to it, you really need to see where you're trying to create the value in the organization. And a lot of times it's going to sit, you know, typically between a CIO and a CTO if the company has that CTO. And so really, you know, you're even going to have to see some partnership between those two if you have both roles. But ultimately, you know, your ability to manage this complexity, going back to what Keith raised, you know, your challenge is if you can't meet the demands of your customers, you're going to fall behind. So what, you know, what Ted's talking about here in this concept, it's really a way of getting past digital sameness and starting to get more value out of your investments to try and really achieve the goals of customer obsession. And many, many companies struggle to do that on their own. So do you have to manage that complexity? Absolutely. Is it hard because you have multiple players? Yes. But the fact of the matter is, so many companies just don't have that ability to do it right now because of limitations within their current shop that you need to look 
at different ways to be able to realize value. And so that's where I think it's important to recognize, you know, the why behind what they're doing and then who those people are, to your point there, Jen. You know, one of the things building on that, Matt, is, uh, you know, we're seeing more and more tech execs also own operations, right? So when you think about what this is, uh, and Keith, back to one of your questions, and Jen, when you were talking about, you know, differentiation, part of that is the fulfillment of the promise, which is just an operating model uh, question. How are you going to actually bring everything you got in the company to bear to solve that customer problem, deliver that product, that experience? And so the ops people are actually really good at this. They're good at coordination. They're good at planning. They're good at setting it up and then taking it down piecewise. Those same capabilities apply to managing a project or projects like this. And so I think that the tech exec has the kind of the the vendor provider experience. They understand what it means to work with partners. Uh, The ops people know how to scale it, how to operationalize it and scale it. And when you get that coming together under a single program, transformation, launch, whatever it happens to be, that's when you get some of this magic happening. It is not about everything rolling up to the CIO who has to manage the whole thing at all. It is about setting the framework and the execution, the practices that allow that to happen. So project management, ops change, ops management are big parts of what we're seeing this uh, happen. Yeah, and it sounds like you really need to build a cultural dynamic that will accept this kind of uh, process or practice, as Matt stated earlier. Um, Ted, you said in your research that this co-innovation is absolutely vital now. Um, Tell us why. Why is what's different? Why do we need this? Well, look, the days of a vertically integrated company that owned the back office, middle office, uh, the entirety of the uh, of, of of what they did, those are those days are gone, right? The the move um, and the cloud's been a huge driver accelerator of it. Uh, the, the, to move fast, to be agile, to be responsive to changing market conditions, you want to frankly do as little as you can and get as much out of partners, tech, business. And, and service partners as you possibly can. You want to coordinate and orchestrate the value they bring to move quickly, to be able to scale up, scale down as needed. And so this is the competency. You are the orchestrator. You are the uh, person that can make this happen. And it's, it's, it's new because of competition. And it's new very significantly because of enablement that comes over the internet, comes over the cloud. All right. More collaboration, more cloud, uh, you know, more opportunities to innovate. Um, I can see, I can see all the positives here. What does success really look like if you fully adopt this, uh, co-innovation? Yeah, I think the, the success feels like you are making progress way faster than you ever did before. It's not two years to launch. It's three months to launch. You're not launching with the thing you're ultimately going to have two years from now, but you're able to move much, much faster in months, not in years. And you start small and expand quickly because you're relying on the investments of those cloud, tech, software, and service providers to do it with you and for you. So you, agility is, is a big one. Second one is uh, scale. You, it's, it's digital infrastructure to run your business on. And so you, that's going to be a huge benefit you're going to get from really embracing this. And the last, I think, is you're going to tap into all the creative juice, all those innovation pipelines, all those roadmaps of investment that all those partners are making. And you, on your behalf, right? You're going to benefit from tapping into their dollars, their investments. And then, you know, taking that up a level above that, Keith, I think, you know, really what we look at 
is the ability to drive better outcomes, right? The ability to avoid what we call digital sameness. Um, the ability to really hit and build a cultural change. So you just said that, uh, you know, right before you let in that question. And I wanted to come back to it because this is a different way of working. And it's the realization that technology and business are getting closer than they've ever been before. And a lot of what we've done in tech over the years is really thought of, you know, if you always think about it, it's like, oh, we're IT. And then there's the business, right? This, this thing mm. called the business. You don't really hear the finance department talk about finance and the business. You know, it's 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 integrated thing. And so really we're getting to the point where, you know, tech leaders, tech execs need to think about how what they do enables the business to achieve their goals. And you know, that ability to drive greater customer growth, greater revenue growth. It's those things that you need to do more than ever now. And so this new way of working, you need to get your employees to change the way that they think about it. The business is asking for this. You know, they don't care where the great idea comes from. Nobody should care where a great idea comes from, but they need the great idea because every business is in a fight with their existing competitors and new ones that pop up all the time because we've seen it with these digital competitors that come out of nowhere and start taking market share. So that cultural element to this, this, you know, doing this, whether it's a chicken or egg, whether you start with it and you start to use it as a way for your people to see a new way of working or whether you're starting to build that cultural change of people to say, you know, we need to think creatively about how we're going to solve our customer problems and build new experiences, build faster new products, and then use that to say, what are our options and how do we co-innovate with partners I don't know which direction you go. You can be successful with both, but you need to get to that point where the organization accepts that we're going to do things different than how we've done it before. And we're going to use that to ultimately serve customers better. So lots of coordination internally and externally. It sounds like you absolutely have to choose the right partners for this to really work. Um, how do you go about choosing those partners? Yeah. Well, I mean, you have a portfolio of partners today, so you want to be able to assess them against their investments in your success. So that's something you can just do. We can run an assessment uh, alongside and see um, what those what those uh, characteristics are. So I, I mentioned trust and transparency and innovation roadmap and reliability as examples and customer experience examples of that. Uh, when it comes to then picking the right partner, you're going to make, I think, some bigger bets on fewer players ultimately but you're going to make those bets with your eyes wide open. So you're going to start small and you might run a, even a bake-off. You might run two versions of the same thing and see who comes up with the better approach, the better idea, and seems to work better and fit alongside your culture. And then you're going to double down on the one that works best. So there's some interesting approaches to this. I think you need to be thinking differently about your investment in the success. And you need to be thinking differently about um, assessing the capabilities and the contributions of the partner and be willing to pay for it. This is about creating more value alignment. Sometimes there's some outcome-based uh, kicker that would go into the into the, the, the payment of it. And uh, you gotta be thinking creatively about how to create that alignment, both culturally and economically so that they invest on your behalf. That's what, that's your goal. We're talking a lot about from like the firm's perspective, right? Think differently, think more creatively about these engagements or what those agreements look like. Are agencies and consultancies having the same sort of internal conversations, meaning that they're being more flexible or uh, approaching engagements with, you know, who they would 
be working for or with as a partner differently as well. Like what we're talking about in some cases is a fundamental shift in their business model. Yeah. Jen, it is. It is. And we've actually written a, a lot about this. We call yeah. it co-innovation partnership uh, hinges on a new business model for these these folks. And so we, we break it down into these three areas. There's um, a changed investment model for, for all of these guys. They have to, uh, all these firms, ha- uh, these service providers have to invest in assets, that is uh, data and software and uh, solutions. They have to invest in alliances. So they have to be uh, very strongly aligned with the, uh, the software and, and cloud providers. They invest in automation, which, which should pay off for you, right? They can do things faster. Uh, and they invest in analytics. They bring a lot of modeling and expertise there. So they're investing ahead of revenue. And that they're all doing it. <laughs> they tell me stories all day long about this. Uh, they're also changing their commercial models, their revenue models, as best they can. And there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of work to do here. The uh, procurement and and the legal, the MSA, the master service agreement in place, uh, sometimes makes it harder to create these more um, uh, interesting, frankly, and, and more value aligned commercial models. So we'll get there. Yeah, it'll take some time. But we have lots of examples of it we can certainly point to. And then lastly, and this is where they're really struggling, some of them, and you can do an assessment, is they have to change their operating model. They have to be way more client focused. Their account teams, if you like, have to think about your broader purpose as a, as a, as a tech leader, as a tech exec, as a, as, a cluster, as a customer. And a lot of them don't have that model today. They have to be um, changing their uh, what, how they incent and, and reward their employees to do not just sort of time-based you know, expertise, but also bring ideas and bring tools uh, that turn into assets. They have to um, be thinking about you differently. So they need to have a deeper understanding of what you are and what your needs are so they can align with you better. They, they need to empower their employees much further to get in and, and spend problem solve with, with, with clients, with you. And so they're making lots of changes in their operating models, in their commercial models, and in their investment models. And that is absolutely a new business model for these folks. Instead of leading with people, they're starting to lead with, with success and lead with solutions. Yeah. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of uh, goodness in this model. Um, let me ask a question, and Matt, maybe you answer it from a tech leader perspective, and Ted, take this question on as a partner. I want to run a, a co-innovation uh, practice. Um, what is it that the partner needs to do first to uh, get an arrangement like this going? And then what's the what's the tech leader need to do? So I think from the the, the service provider partner side, they're they're down this path pretty far. There's a lot of maturity that's happened in the last couple of years. Uh, so they are wanting to put their best foot forward when it comes to bringing industry solutions, for example, or uh, bring um, you, you know the, uh, the the pre-built capability uh, that sits on top of a piece of package software as a as an example. So they're they're definitely doing that and making those you know making those changes now. And then they're pitching. Uh, you know, for your for your your work, they they want to they want to win uh, they want to win your business, and so they're trying to bring creativity and creative thought into this uh, solutioning as well. Yeah, and and I'm going to start with that cultural creativity side of thing, Keith, and then I'll go into a, the, the the practicalities. You know, I think you know today's CIO, you know, as we look at technology, it's given us more time and more knowledge than ever before. 
And the question is, what what can you do with that? And a, a lot of the folks we talk to from a tech exec side of things, I don't think they're really always thinking about how what they do enables that or their organization to to have more time, more knowledge, and how that really then enables the company to be more creative. So I think starting to get that cultural change and, and challenging your employees is something you need to start building right now and make sure that you're building that because that's what you're going to need is a critical differentiator in the future. In terms of these partners and things like that, I think part of what you need to do is I think you need to really start to understand the capabilities of these partners and really start to zero in on who that smaller set are. They're really going to be the ones that you may need to, to really start to work with and be closer. And then I think you really need to start to find an area or two where you can start to test this out and to start to try and think about it. Because as, as Ted's talked about, there's a lot of different things about how you're going to assume risk, how you're going to reward them more. And that reward element can be very tricky. A lot of people don't like the idea that you're going to pay somebody a lot of money for them building something because they're still thinking in the old ways. So so as I look at it from a tech exec, that's where, where my head is, you know, really trying to figure out who's going to be, you know, the most helpful in that near term and where are a couple areas where I can start to build this muscle and then test this creativity that I'm trying to build throughout the organization. So when you're putting together your set of partners to deliver on this uh, co-innovation approach, what are the couple of categories or classifications of partners that you want to immediately consider to get this started? Yeah, I mean, some some good examples here that tie right into that. So when you think about standing up a new product, for example, um, you know, insurance company Pinnacle stood up a new uh, small biz uh, offering. And so it did it outside the, the parent company. And it was looking for tech partners and sort of business service partners as well. So they, they used, um, they hosted it, I think, on Amazon. Um, they uh, used the Salesforce stack. Uh, they used Stripe for payment because they had to take payment from a lot of small businesses. Uh, so they essentially uh, partnered with the t- on the tech side and on the business service side. Uh, to get that done. And again, you don't really pay till it's up and running. So it's a good alignment around value there. And then they worked with a number of different kinds of uh, implementation partners. They worked uh, with Deloitte, uh, which was kind of the big build shop. They also worked with uh, an agency uh, and they worked with a a product dev organization. So when you think about the categories here, you want to think about agency bringing creativity. You want to think about software engineering firms bringing um, agile and how to do agile and think agile. And you want to think about, you know, a traditional, you know, SI or consultancy that can do some of that heavy lifting for you here. And so these are categories you really want to be thinking about. Great. I'm sure there's more to cover, but uh, great conversation, guys. Thank you both for uh, joining us today. Excellent. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. If you want to learn more about this year's technology and innovation event, visit forcom slash TI2021. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash TI2021.